Thanks for listening to the podcast from Jonathan Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Morning, church. I was going to ask if I'm on, but I can tell I'm on. All right, so I hope everybody's doing well this morning. Uh, We're going to be continuing our sermon series entitled Belong, and this is the basics to belonging to the family of God. So this five-point series is the first five lessons of our life-on-life discipleship material. And so if you're interested in being discipled and want to know more, you can fill out your connection card, or you can speak to somebody as you're leaving today. So as you've come in today, would you say that your spiritual life is full of excitement, full of joy, full of adventure, of the fullness of Christ, fullness of God? Or would you say that your spiritual life feels like it's in a box and only sometimes the lid is lifted and you can experience His presence? There's a couple of spiritual uh, health questions you can ask. Would you say your spiritual life is exciting or it's boring? Would you say that you know God intimately or that He feels like a stranger? Would you say that you can't go a day without praying, speaking to God, or you can go a week without speaking to God and feel okay? Or do you find fulfillment in the experience and the journey in God's presence? Or do you find fulfillment in job, hobby, school, family, relationships? So if you answered yes to the second half of any of these questions, your life, spiritual life is boring. You don't feel like you know God, like he's a stranger. Then I would suggest that you're not living the life that Jesus wants us to live in his presence. So according to Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus, the only way to experience the fullness of God is to be empowered by his spirits. Now he can, we can be empowered by his spirits to live the fullness of God. So how can we do this? The text today will give us three ways. And so we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, and it'll be chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power in His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the reading of His Word. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we love You so much. We just again humble ourselves before You. We give You all praise. We honor You. We lift Your name as high as we can. Speak to us today through your word. Speak to us through your disciple Paul in Ephesians. Instruct us, edify us, build us up so that we can learn more of you and start to look more like you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so how can we be empowered by God's Spirit to experience the fullness of God? Point number one, understand that spiritual power comes from the Holy Spirit. Spiritual power comes from the Holy Spirit. So verses 14 and 15, as we look at the beginning of Paul's prayer for his believers in Ephesus, we can trust by faith that God will answer this. Because he says, 
for this reason. That's a continuation from Ephesians 3 when Paul is speaking to all of those that are members or fellow heirs of God's family. And the only way that is is through the love of Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. So in order for us to experience this spiritual power that he wants us to experience, we have to be a part of God's family. Now, God is the father of all. He's the father of creation, so therefore he is the father of us all. But he gives us free will. We can choose. We can choose to be a part of God's family, or we can choose to go our own route. Now, we can't earn it. We can't buy our way into his family. We can't work real hard and try real hard. The only way is through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so once you have received this free gift of salvation, then at that very moment, you are a part of the family of God. Then you can experience, as it says in verse 16, the riches of his glory. Then you can experience spiritual power. So verse 16 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Strengthened with power through his spirit, where? On the inside. This is not an outward strength. This is not a physical strength. This is an inner strength. Now, I'm sure you've all seen the evangelical type shows or whatever where you got a whole bunch of buff bagwell dudes up there and they got a cement brick wall and they bust through it and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Arr. It's almost like the Saturday Night Live parody. Uh, I'm here to pump you up. It's not that type of strength. All right? So, so many times we get it confused. We think about the outside, the appearance, our presentation. But that's not what the strength Paul is talking about here. He's talking about an inner strength. Meekness. Meekness is not weakness, right? Meekness is strength under control. That's what Paul is speaking about here. It's an inner strength, strengthening on the inside. 2 Corinthians 4.16 in the ESV, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Day by day. Paul recognizes here that the outside fades. The outside deteriorates. Doesn't matter how hard we work at it, we age, it deteriorates, it fades away. But our inner strength can be renewed daily. Only in his presence. Daily strengthened. Philippians 4, 13 in the ESV. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now again, this, is, this gets misconstrued so many times. It's, a very, it's one of the most used scriptures, but it's one of the most misused scriptures. Again, it's that outward appearance of I'm 150 pounds soaking wet. I can go lift my 4,000 car just because I say I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. It's not that type of strength. It is an inner strength. So that's not what Paul's talking about here. Just prior to this in Philippians 4.11, he says, I have learned that in whatever situation, I am to be content. Discontent is an inner strength. It's not an outward appearance. It's an inner strength. Discontent is to be strong in whatever the situation is, no matter the situation. Okay? Um, so let's look at a lawn or a garden. Say you're trying to grow some grass or you're trying to grow some vegetables. In order to do so, you need to know what the condition of the soil is, right? You need to know the nutrients that are in the soil. I mean, yes, you can throw some seed out there. You can throw some water, some fertilizer, and you can get some immediate results. But that's not what you're looking to produce. 
in order to produce what you're trying to grow, you have to do a soil test. If you ask any expert, they will tell you, you've got to bring me a soil sample so that we can test what's in the soil. And that way you will know what needs to be added in, but not just added in, what needs to be taken out. What you need to remove from the soil. This is going to sound kind of cheesy, but it, it, it helped me. The quality of what you're trying to grow will not show unless you know the quality of what's in the soil. Do you know the state of your spirit? Do you know the state of your spiritual soul? Have you done a spiritual soul test? Only his presence in us can tell us where we need to change. Only his presence in us can tell us. Now say some situation happens, and it's happened to all of us, where you're busy doing something and you get caught off guard. And you react in a way that is not Christ-like. You react in panic, anger. You might even throw a bad word out there. But then you quickly recognize, and you're like, oh, whoa, 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 that, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. I must be tired. It's busy. Whatever. That wasn't me. I'll try harder next time. That I'll try harder next time is you trying to do it in your own flesh. You trying to do it in your own spirit. So that's not drawing on spiritual power. That's drawing on human self. So the only way that we can do this is if Lord, we allow the Lord to address our inner self and address the areas that are not being Christ-like. Allow him to find the areas that are not producing fruit. And we all know Galatians 5.22. No one say we all know, but we've heard of Galatians 5.22 and 23, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the kind of fruit that a life that is following and that is indwelt with the Holy Spirit produces. If you want an example of what a life that follows self looks like, read earlier in Galatians 5. It'll give you a bunch of examples. So if your life is not producing any of these fruit, love, joy, peace, etc., it might be time to do a spiritual soil test. So when Paul is saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, again, it's not, I can go lift that car. In certain situations, he's going to give you adrenaline. If Christ wills it, yes, you can do it, if he wills it, but not just for your own appearance, your own presentation. But he is saying that in all situations, I can experience love, joy, peace, patience. The list goes on. So when you start allowing his spirit to nourish your soul, then you start to change and then you could be empowered by his presence. So will you stop trying to change yourself by doing it yourself? Because that's, that's doing it on your own. That's trying to do it on your own. And all that's going to lead to is frustration, anger. And will you allow the Lord and his presence to strengthen you? And that starts from the inner being, not from the outside. So that's the first way. The second way we can be empowered by God's Spirit is to, is, is to continually draw on the presence of Christ in our hearts. Continually draw on the presence of Christ. Verse 17 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded 
in love. The Spirit empowers us to have the faith that is required for us to have Christ dwell and live in our hearts. This is not an empowering of self again. This is not that outward appearance. This is an empowering of Christ's love and His Spirit within us. Dwell, we know what dwell is. Dwell is to live, to make residence, to inhabit. But according to Strong's in the study time this week in preparation, there was a metaphor for this word dwell that really spoke volumes. To govern. So it's not that he just resides, makes your house, your temple his own. He takes ownership. He leads it and guides it. His desires become your desires. And rooted and grounded. We know what rooted and grounded is. Grounded is foundational. Rooted is being secure to that foundation. And this is speaking of being so rooted and grounded to this solid foundation of his presence that you cannot be separated. That is what Paul is speaking on here. Romans 8, 9 in the NLT says, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. If Christ dwells, He compels. If Christ dwells, He compels. He will drive your life. He will give your life purpose. He will give your life direction. Ephesians 5.18 ESV, And do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this wine is not necessarily referring to just alcohol here. It is referring to anything that distracts you from being filled with His presence. Doubt, fear, anxiety, lust, worry, malice, joy, I mean envy, anything that distracts you from being filled. Just an example of a cup filled with yourself full of doubt. Where can you pour His Spirit in? His spirit cannot feel. So through faith, Christ's presence can dwell, but it's only because of the power of his spirit in us. Now John 15, 4 and 5, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So by abiding, we bear fruit, like it spoke in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace. But not abiding, being apart from him, you do not produce those. You produce sinful selfishness ways. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Sealed in the NLT says he identified you as his own. This again is ownership. He governs. He gives you direction. He leads. So I'm sure many of you know uh, the story of Matthew of Jesus walking on water. But also in that story, one of his disciples walked on water. And this is Matthew 14. So one of his disciples walked on water. And so the story goes that as Jesus is done teaching and preaching like he often did, he told the disciples to go ahead and go by boat across the Sea of Galilee and that he'll meet them there and he was going to dismiss the crowd and then he was going to go and be alone to pray as Jesus often did. And so he got alone and he was praying and by the time he reached the shore, he obviously had forgotten track of time because by the time he got to the shore, it was, it was the fourth watch of the night. And if you don't know what that is, that's 3 to 6 a.m. That's morning time. 
Now, sidebar, imagine praying like that. So by the time he gets there, the disciples, on the other hand, they hadn't been sitting there praying. They had been in the boat being beaten and tore up by a storm, by the wind, by the waves. And so they were tired. They were frustrated. They were angry. They were scared. They were afraid. And then all of a sudden, they see this thing coming to them on the water. And so they're, what is this going on? So after some confusion of them thinking it was a ghost, they finally realized it was Jesus. And Jesus, he's just walking on water. He's, he's doing his Jesus thing. He's Jesus and walking on water. And so Peter, he was still, the disciple Peter, he was still a little skeptical. He was a little skeptical. And so he said, if, it, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come out in the water to you. And Jesus said, come. He just simply said, come. And so Peter, at that moment, he was dialed into Jesus. He was glued. He was honed in to, to the presence of Jesus. And so he got out of the boat, and he began to walk on water. Now, I'm not telling, that, telling you that because you think your faith is seasoned or you're strong in your faith, that you should go try to walk on water. Now, Tar River right now, you probably could, but that's beside the point. But what I am telling you that if Jesus wills it, you can, and you better believe it. So as Peter's out walking on the water, it says he noticed the, the wind again. And I say again here because it never says in the story that the storm stopped. The storm was still going on when he was walking on the water, but he was so dialed in and so glued on the presence of Jesus that it didn't matter. He didn't, didn't care about anything else that happened. So when he took his eyes off of Jesus, what happened? Did he begin to sink? Yes, he began to sink. I was looking for a little bit of engagement there. He began to sink. But let's go back and read because there's a point here before that we don't want to miss. So this is Matthew 14. Matthew 14, 28 through 30. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. He was afraid. That sin of selfishness, that sin of self, it scared him. It took his eyes off of Jesus' presence and put it on him. He noticed the storm again. He started focusing on himself and focusing internally. I wonder if, and this is just me speculating here, but I wonder if Peter noticed pride first. Doing the study this week, the imagery, and this might show my age just a little bit, but the imagery of a Mad TV, and it was a character named Stuart. And I'm going to try this the best I can. But he would, look what I can do. <laughs> and he would just do silly gestures and things like that. I wonder if in Peter's mind, he's out there walking on water going, I'm walking on water like Jesus. Look at me. And then as soon as he turned his attention to look at me, he noticed the wind and got, got afraid. Now, either way, either way, Scripture says he was afraid, doesn't say anything about pride. So that's what we're going with, obviously. But either way, he was afraid and his attention was off of the presence of Jesus. And now his attention was on the flesh of Jesus. He cried out for his hand. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, but he left him with this. Oh, you of little faith, 
Why do you doubt? And so Peter, his was fear. But we all have distractions. We all have things that take our eyes off of the presence of Jesus. Fear, doubt, worry, you fill in the blank. The list is ongoing. So how can we thwart these distractions? How can we continually be filled with the Holy Spirit? We can by staying plugged in. Just like Peter was dialed in, we can be plugged in. So pop up this image. So for those who have gone through the Life on Life material, uh, you know that this is a lamp. And I pray for those who haven't gone through that you know it's a lamp also. <laughs> so this lamp is fully, is fully equipped. you got the lampshade. Now you can't see the bulb in there, but there's one in there. Uh, you got the stand, you got the base, and you got the power cord. So this lamp is fully equipped, fully made, fully built to produce what it's supposed to produce, which is light. But it cannot unless it's plugged into that outlet. This is us. The only way that we can produce love, joy, peace is to stay plugged in. We were fully designed. We were fully built. We were fully made to produce fruit of the Spirit, not fruit of the flesh. But the only way to do it is to stay plugged in and to be empowered. Now, you all know the, the acronym ASAP. Man, can I get some audience? As soon as possible. There we go. All right. As soon as possible. As soon as possible. So in a world of as soon as possible, right now, I can get it now, I want it now, I need it now, 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 now. In a world just filled with this in your face all the time. I, just even think about it. Even when you're not actively seeking something, your phone or laptop is going to tell you that you should be. Me and Amber could be talking about, I need, new car, I need new tires for my car, and 30 minutes later, my phone's going to tell me there's a discount sale going on down the road. <laughs> it's in your face all the time. So with all of these distractions in your face all the time, how can you stay, the picture's not there anymore, but how can you stay plugged in? Hey, Seth. Always stop and pray. Now, someone has probably seen this somewhere. But this is a sign hanging up in, in my house. And it's a constant reminder to always stop and pray. In the busyness of everything going on, with all the distractions, to always stop and pray. Amen. And I mean, check this out. ASAP squared. Always stop and pray as soon as possible. It works the other way. As soon as possible, always stop and pray. It works either way. That's how you remain plugged in is to always stop and pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Rejoice always, that's praise. Pray without ceasing, that's prayer. Always stop and praise, always stop and pray as soon as possible. And that's how you can remain plugged in. So, the third way that we can be empowered by God's Spirit is to pursue the knowledge of the limitless love of Christ. This is according to verses 18 and 19. That we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the fullness of God. 
filled with all the fullness of God. The strength to comprehend the love of Christ. Now comprehend here, this is more than just head knowledge. This is more than just you hear it and now you know about it a little bit. This is, this is deeper than that. This is it's an intimate knowledge. You take ownership. You take possession of it. To know is to know that you know that you know. It's an intimate knowledge. It's deeper than just hearing it and understanding it. It is an intimate knowledge. But then Paul gives us these qualities here of Christ, the love of Christ. The breadth, depth, length, and height. There's no boundaries. There's no boundaries. Christ's love is limitless. We can go to the ends of the known universe and Christ's love will penetrate those walls. Then on the same sense, your house can be as clean as possible, but he can still see that closet that you've got unrepentant sin. His love is boundless, limitless. It reaches all. It reaches everywhere. And then his limitless love surpasses knowledge. We can know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Now, that's a mind-boggler there. Now, that's what, this is a bit of a conundrum, because what Paul is saying here is that Christ's love is unknowable, and he's praying that we know it. <laughs> unknowable, but we can know it. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about that we can know the unknowable love of Christ, but we can pursue it. We can't fully know it, but we can pursue Christ's limitless love. John 16, 13 in the NLT says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit, when He rests in your life, He is your tour guide. He is your helper. Look at John 14, 16, and 17 ESV. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is there with us to help us and guide us when we veer off the path of pursuing Jesus. If it's a one-lane road and we veer off on the shoulder, the Holy Spirit is there to give us that little gentle nudge to line back up, line back up. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and through 12, NLT. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. But it was to trust, but it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the spirit of the world, so that we can know the wonderful things of God and what he has freely given. So how can we know this unknowable, mysterious love of Christ? It is by constantly pursuing it ASAP, ASAP squared, ASAP cubed, however you want to view it. Now let's take, let's take a look at soccer. Now for those that know me, Jesus, family, I mean soccer's there. I absolutely love soccer. I am enthralled in it. It is my sport. But when I was seven years old, I moved into a new house. Went to go meet the neighbors. There was only two houses. Met the kid behind me. His name was Lee. And he put this ball on the ground, and he kicked it to me. And so I picked it up, and I threw it back at him. And he was like, no, dude, no, no. You, it's soccer. You kick it. And so he kicked it back, and I kicked it. Boom, instant knowledge. I gained instant knowledge right then. But then after years 
of playing, 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 practicing, practicing, practicing. This might get a little mundane, but I'm looking for another P word here. Pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. I've come to a place where I almost feel like I'm one with the ball. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging on myself about fail. I'm not bragging on myself. That's that pride. I'm not bragging. Sorry, Lord. I'm not bragging on myself. But I've reached a level to where I feel like I know what the ball is going to do in certain situations. I can always gain more. I can always learn more. There's always going to be somebody better than me. There's always going to be a bunch of people better than me. Maybe two. But there's always going to be some people better than me. But what this is, we can pursue Christ's unlimited love the same way. We can pursue it on a daily basis. Pursue, pursue, pursue. We'll never reach it. I'll never be the best soccer player ever. I'll never know the full, unknowable, limitless love of Christ. But I can pursue it daily to where I feel at one. I feel at one with Him. Not that I'm on the same level. Not that we could ever be on the same level as Christ. But we are one with Him because His desires are our desires now. It's that knowable, it's, it's that knowledge, that deep, intimate knowledge. Okay? So a life transformed by Christ's love through the power of the Holy Spirit is one that allows the truth of Christ to infiltrate and fill every part of our body. And it starts from the inside. And once his life lives and dwells in us and nourishes us, then we start to become more Christ-like. Then we start to love more like Jesus. We start to forgive more like Jesus. We start to care more about others like Jesus. We start to care more for the Father's work like Jesus. But this only happens if we allow the Holy Spirit to live and dwell and keep us firmly rooted and grounded in Himself. So, will you stop trying to live by your own power? Will you plug into the power source of the Holy Spirit? And we can do so by understanding that spiritual power comes from the Holy Spirit, by continually drawing on the presence of Christ in your heart, and by pursuing the knowledge of the limitless love of Christ. Now I'm going to read uh, a Psalm of David, Psalm 139. It's kind of broken up, but I'm going to read this. O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful, too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even darkness cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
point out everything in me that offends you. And lead me, lead me along the way. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we not just that we humbly come before you, but we thank you for the humility that your spirit gives us. We thank you that your presence is so alive that it convicts us. And Father, I pray that in this moment that I'm not the only one feeling conviction. I pray that you are stirring in somebody else. Showing them areas like you're showing me. Showing us areas where we're letting other things, other distractions fill your spot. But now, Father, I also pray for those that are feeling the conviction, Lord. And by the strength of your Spirit, you will allow us to pursue Christ-likeness. That you will allow us to come in and to change us from the inside. It's not an outward presentation. Obviously, outward presentations are sloppy. It doesn't matter how well we try to paint them up. They're sloppy, Lord. So help us to be changed and give us that inner strength that only you can provide. I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your teaching, for helping us to remind us that spiritual power comes from you and that we need to constantly draw on you, let you live and dwell in us, and that we need to pursue you daily. Pursue you daily, Lord. Help us, strengthen us to do that. To continue to pursue you, Lord. And Father, I do recognize that somebody might be hearing this for the first time today. The good news of the salvation of Jesus Christ, Lord. Or somebody might have heard it. And it's, your Spirit's really moving and stirring in them. And it says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So if that's you, believer, welcome to the family. It's just as simple as saying, Lord, you leave my life. You lead it. You direct it. You guide it. You govern it. You take ownership. I will follow you instead of following me. By your strength, I can do this, Lord. I can pursue you. So again, welcome to the family if you prayed that today, Lord. I mean, if you prayed that today. And so, Father, we just thank you again for your words, the building up of your body of believers, the building up of us, the edifying us, the strengthening of us so that we can face all the distractions of the day and so that we can look past those and stay, stay clenched to you. We thank you, Father. We love you for your warm embrace. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.